The views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and do not represent IICLE. Hello, and welcome to InRay, the podcast about all things law, big and small. I'm your host, Christopher Noel. I'm Amy McFadden, co-executive director and director of publications at IICLE. And I'm Megan Moore, uh, co-executive director and director of programs at IICLE. Great. I've had you both on the podcast before, so I'm so excited to have you both back. And I, I had this idea. I mean, unfortunately, the pandemic kind of pushed in uh, Ray off the plate for a little while and we're coming back and with that coming back a lot has changed since uh, we last aired an episode so I thought it would be a really good opportunity here for us to talk to the two people who are making the biggest changes I think in uh, the organization and that's the co-executive directors and I wanted to talk to you guys about where we were how did we handle the pandemic and where are we now okay sure. Well, we, um, Amy and I became the co-executive directors um, as of April 1st, actually, of last year. Um, so it really was right in the middle of all of this um, <laughs> change happening. Um, and just prior to that, we had uh, moved the office to uh, everybody to remote status. And so we have been operating um, in our new position um, almost exclusively from a remote <laughs> standpoint um, since the beginning, which has been an unusual start to things. Um, but, um, you know, to your point, um, this has been a, a challenging year in a lot of ways, but it's also been a really um, an opportunity for learning and growth. Um, and I think, uh, you know, that has been kind of my focus um, for this past year is what can we really learn from this situation and how can we pivot and how can we use the tools that we have to do things in a new and different way. Um, from the program side, we've obviously had specific things that we've had to do and on the publishing side, um, we've had to do some things new and different um, in that way as well. So Amy, um, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, as I was giving thought to this whole subject, there are a couple of things that I, I hit on as well. I mean, I think it's been individually for people that shift to being all virtual, which by the way, went phenomenally. And, and we had staff up and running and participating and doing what they needed to do in very short order, which was, was a, a good set of circumstances to go remote in. But also one thing, um, just as a, an example that, that made things challenging, in 2020 was that we knew we had an upcoming retirement. And so we were bringing on a new editor, which is, is difficult when you are trying to acclimate someone to our, our house style and all that stuff um, at, a, at arm's length over a video screen. Um, it, it definitely changed the way that we'll probably be looking at onboarding going on in the future as well. Yeah, I think that's been an interesting thing is that we had a, an unusual situation in that um, we were remote and we came back to the office for a few months and then decided uh, around Thanksgiving that we really 
needed to go ahead and, and go remote again. And so we ha- had an unusual circumstance where we actually had a few employees who we had hired um, while we were in the office who really only had about a week or so of office time before um, we had to go remote. And then we had another uh, other employees that we ended up hiring um, later after we went remote that have only worked remote for us so far. So that's been an interesting transition. And um, I think Amy's point's a good one that we learned a lot about, again, that whole learning thing about how to onboard people effectively and you kind of had to make some changes that I think are going to be good for us, even when we are all back in the office and, and um, you know, in person with each other, that process of bringing in a new person and making them feel like they're part of the team. Um, there was sort of even more emphasis on that because we were remote. So I think that was a, an interesting challenge that we faced um, just organizationally as well. well. And kind of extrapolating on that, I, I'd like to kind of find that out. So for some people listening, um, what is it, especially with that transition, what, what is it that you had to do to give that TLC that one would normally give during a face-to-face interview and things like that? How did you try to, or did you try to recreate that? Um, how did you go through that? I did not try to recreate that so much. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of one-on-one video conferencing just because that was the best option we had at the time. And really, I mean, it's, it's actually turned out to be a good thing. I mean, I, I typically do a pre uh, in even pre-interview quiz uh, that's all online anyway, before any of this happened. And so using that, I found that the candidates I was able to narrow down to were very well suited for the position. And so I didn't have to do an endless number of you know, kiss an endless number of pigs or frogs or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I had a very narrow pool of people. Um, for me, it was mostly the after after the interview process that, that was really a challenge. But Megan, you hired someone also. Yeah. And, and um, I think it's interesting that you brought up that that quiz that we've been doing because, you know, um, that I think was something that we started, I don't know, a couple of years ago, um, maybe with hiring. I think it was your idea, Amy, in the beginning, because you had a, an editor quiz and then we started doing it on the program side as well. It really does kind of narrow down, um, you know, the candidates who have specific, you know, abilities and qualifications that you're looking for. And then, um, you know, an interview is just a communication exchange. And so, you know, there are things I'm sure that you may or may not perceive on video um, screen versus in person. But one of the things that we did do was um, we had um, some, you know, we did a, a video interview, like a Zoom interview, and then we chose one or two people to actually come in when no one else was in the office, socially distanced, masks, you know, all those kinds of things, and actually did meet um, with some of them, you know, one-on-one like that. Um, I think Amy and I would do that together um, was typically, you know, the the protocol. And that did give us a, a, a sense of, you know, the actual person and, and getting to kind of meet them in that way. Um, and I felt like the process went really well. Um, I'm not sure that I would change that at all going forward. Um, and we, and as Amy said, we kind of had this sort of process in place before um, we probably would have had more in-person interviews, like maybe two instead of one. Um, but really it's not necessary. And, and it gives you the opportunity to talk with people who maybe that would be a more convenient way to interview, especially on the first interview in the first place. So I, I felt like that went really smoothly. I think again, on the back end and bringing somebody in, has been the more challenging part and trying to sort of 
maintain, you know, those, um, that feeling of, you know, being part of a group of people working on a project together when everybody's remote, it's difficult even for the people who have been part of that, but then to bring somebody new into that and have them sort of integrate that, that's a challenge, but I think we've done well with that. But I I think it's, you know, that's the more challenging piece of that, of the kind of hiring and bringing somebody in. I think, um, this past year and now some change, uh, the one word I think I've heard everyone say is unprecedented. And so, you know, beforehand we talked about how, you know, there was an executive director and then you guys became co-executive directors (laughs) in the midst of literally an unprecedented event in our current history, but also in Ickle's history. I don't think Ickle has ever seen anything like this, at least from a social standpoint. Mm-hmm. So how did you each approach this, you know, separately and together, I suppose, whenever it comes to taking on this new role while also keeping your previous roles? <laughs> well, it, it helped that Megan and I both had been heavily involved in operations um, when the previous executive director was here on staff. So we were able to pick up most anything that, that he was handling with, with very little um, transition period, but it has been a lot of back and forth. We have, we talk every single day and usually, I mean, almost every day, it's multiple times a day, um, just quick back and forth, maybe over text through teams, whatever. But um, it is a lot of kind of making sure that we're on the same page with things and we're, we're covering all our bases. But um, I, I don't think that really for me, I didn't see that as a cha- as big of a challenge. Of course, it would have been a lot easier. We would have been together in the office, but uh, <laughs> but no. I mean, I, I think that yeah. We I mean, we was just constant communication. Yeah, I was. That's what I was going to say. It really comes down to communication, and you know, I think Amy and I have we've worked together for how long has it been? Ten years now. Um, so, and as as she mentioned, you know, Mike uh, Rooney, our former executive director, really made it a point to involve us in our previous roles in a lot of the operational aspects of things. And he was remote. So we necessarily were involved in, in a lot of those things. So, you know, um, that did make it easier to make this transition um, in the way that we did. Um, and I think, you know, the, the fact that we are colleagues who've worked well together for 10 years makes the co-executive relationship work really well. Uh, we do have a regular time that we um set aside just to work on things together each week, even though we are remote. Um, so I think that that helps a lot too, but, you know, it, it really is the the communication and, and you know, that is a, there is a balancing between, um, you know, organization wide um, endeavors or efforts and the um, individual departments. But one of the things that, that Amy and I really have been working on is um, recognizing op- that as an opportunity recognizing opportunities that we can be working together on something um, rather than always it being, you know, a publications or a programs thing. So um, that's, I think, a benefit of the arrangement that we have, which is that, you know, we both have experience, um, you know, as department heads and continue to serve in that function. And because, but because we're working together on this executive level as well, we can identify opportunities that we can collaborate and bring people together to try new and different things. So what's been kind of a singular challenge during this time, uh, during this year, and like I said, a couple of days, what's been that singular uh, challenge that you feel has kind of been the umbrella piece? Well, I think it's the uncertainty 
um, the fact that that you know we don't really know, and especially in the beginning, not really knowing how long this was go on, going to go on. I mean, if you would have told me a year ago um, <laughs> that we would be still you know dealing with this and and you know people working remotely and and um, not having the ability to do live events, for example, I, I, I don't think I would have believed it. I thought this might be like a six month kind of situation. And here we are a year later, and that's not the case. So there's still a lot of uncertainty out there. And that makes, to some degree, that makes planning um, difficult. Um, and so I think that's probably one of the bigger challenges is just that having, you know, there is no defined end to this. Um, we, you know, eventually we'll get there and we'll know we're there when we're there, but it's difficult, you know, now to say when that will be, because there are a lot of factors, um, that play into that. So for me, that's the biggest, that is the biggest challenge. And for me, I think it's just unifying the staff has been difficult. For instance, we've been wanting to do an all staff meeting, but in order to get participation from more than just me and Megan, we didn't want to necessarily be talking heads. We are a little bit limited. And yes, we could use Teams or Zoom for that, but it's, it's just not this quite the same vibe. So I think, yeah. you know, I think that that team building um, under sort of the new structure that we have here, which is, is different, having two co-executive directors, we've, we've missed out on that. I mean, I think it's something we can certainly address as we get back into the office, but that part I think has been a challenge. I agree. So faculty, um, they can get CLE by writing or presenting with us. So my question is, how have you found since the pandemic that um, providing CLE has changed? So I think if we think of CLE broadly, so we don't just think about programs, we think about um, programs and publications. I mean, I think there's been a variety of changes. First and foremost, um, obviously we're not doing in-person programming um, on the program side. So there is no in-person component at all and, and there won't be um, likely through the end of this year. So um, that certainly has changed a lot. It's, it's caused us to completely um, sort of turn on its head our planning process. We're doing things very differently than we did um, even a year ago when all this first started. Um, but the thing that I think um, has had the biggest impact, the biggest change is that people, so many more people are more comfortable with um, technology and online interaction, whether it's programs or publications, subscri our subscription services, et cetera, that I think um, that has just become, it was, it was already a huge part of our business, but it has become such a greater focus uh, for our customers. They're, they're just going that direction um, probably faster than they would have if this didn't happen. Um, so I think that's, that's the biggest thing. And then staying on top of the technology um, that we need to make that experience continue to be quality and effective and sort of meet ECHL standards, I think is, a, is an ongoing, um, you know, a challenge for us to, to, to meet, so. I was just going to say, I mean, I think subscriptions across the board um, are becoming more and more in the forefront. So um, absolutely, the way we deliver, as well as the way people are receiving our, our content is, is changing and it has changed in that way. And I think that subscription model is so much more um, palatable for people. They can just get to write what they need and it's there and they can use it on their own terms. And um, 
I look for that to continue to grow. Okay. So how did, how did you feel as, as you had to kind of, especially being in a world where there already was, there already were CLE providers who were predominantly online, like they just sold things online. How did you find basically trying to move an in-person or physical book, that type of aspect into a completely online uh, format? How did you, how did you find that? How did you come to that rise to that challenge, I suppose? Cause evidently it's working. People are, people are still buying books. People are still getting programs. So you did it, but how did you find, how did you get there? I suppose. Well, for starters on the publication side, I'll say that, and I know this is true for programs as well, we were prepared. We've been doing things this way as, a, as one facet of what we do all along. And so it really wasn't a matter of having to change anything about the way we deliver. It's just the emphasis on the more digital versions of, of what we have to provide. Um, so Megan, do you have would you add to that? Yeah, I, that's exactly where I was going to go with this. Um, it, it, it's that, you know, Ickle, um, we have for years been kind of at the forefront of the use of technology in our um, services. And so I think, you know, we were very, we've, we're, we're a forward thinking organization. And I think thanks to the support of our board of directors and past leadership and particularly, particularly Mike Rooney, who gave us, um, you know, the um, ability to really, as, as leaders of our departments, you know, sort of think a little bit ahead and, and think about the technology that we're going to need. And he supported us in that. Um, and as we've moved forward, um, Amy and I have, have really, you know, we've identified that technology isn't, as I mentioned before, is an area that we need to be paying close attention to. But because we had been forward thinking and we were already sort of doing these things, I think what's really happened is we were um, we were going, you know, we were kind of moving in that direction anyway, and our customers were starting to come along with us in a lot of ways. I mean, we were seeing webcast attendance, for example, often was 50% of total, you know, registration um, figures uh, for a particular program. And so what's happened is I think the customers have sort of moved further along the spectrum in terms of their acceptance of technology um, as part of you know, learning and, um, and their research and, and all those things. So I think we were just well positioned um, because we had been forward thinking in terms of the use of technology. And we still have, we still are that way because I know, for example, in programs, we have some technology that we haven't even had the opportunity to use yet um, in terms of program production. And that I look forward to that in the future. Yeah. And just thinking about the future, things like that. Right now we're recording, uh, and this will go up in March of 2021, um, April 12th, it opens up, the vaccine opens up to basically anyone over 16. Um, what is, what is the next year or so look like for Ickle and, and how you are going to um, approach it as more and more people get vaccinated? Well, I mean, obviously, I think it's, it's again, we kind of keep talk, coming back to the technology and kind of the, um, the use of that. But I think, I think that is, you know, more of the focus. I mean, one of the things that we're not willing to do is give up the quality of education that we provide. Um, 
the quality of the products and services. And so, you know, we'll be looking to technology that helps us to preserve that and to create it going forward in new ways. Um, as far as the year ahead, I mean, as I mentioned before, you know, um, I don't think we'll probably do any um, in-person programs through the end of 2021. But at the same time, um, I think we're kind of, again, we're learning as we go and um, growing in the ways that we can do um, online education. And so um, I think in the, the year to two years ahead, we'll be thinking a lot more about which programs make sense to do in person. Um, and we will be um, using technology in new and different ways to present the programs that we do on online. And I'm sure in the publication side, they're they're doing similar things, um, but that's on the program side. That's the way that, that I would say it and as an organization as a whole. I think, um, you know, we're going to be looking for ways to be to continue to be um, nimble and adaptive. So when situations like this, which hopefully we don't have a lot of them, but but what, what I mean is, you know, situations where, you know, maybe something is, is to some degree out of our control um, that is impacting the business, that we have the ability to move and change and, um, you know, make some flexible decisions um, to move things, to continue things and move things forward. I, th I mean, I just think that, you know, Ickle is well positioned as we move um, into the future, uh, whatever that might be, um, to be nimble, to be flexible, and to, to really address the needs. I think Amy said it well, you know, of what our customers want and how, when and how they want to receive it. So, you know, we're looking at ways that we can be almost more, um, I don't want to say individualized, but uh, maybe that is the right word. Personalized. Um, personalized, yeah. Um, in the way that, that we are able to um, provide content so that we can be more, um, yeah, more personalized. I think that's a good word. It, it, I feel like it almost sounds like Ickle is moving into kind of an almost on-demand format. Mm -hmm. I mean, would you say is that kind of what you want to, where you see it going? Yeah, to some degree, I think that's true. Um, you know, I think that's what the modern um, audience expects. Um, and I think um, that's, you know, again, I think we're well positioned to provide that. Um, but it does involve changing, you know, how we do things. And so I think over the past, the past year, we've worked at um, doing, you know, making changes to the way that we produce content that'll help us to meet that demand in the future. The other thing I would mention is just the way we interact with volunteers has changed, obviously, as a result of the pandemic. And I think in some ways it's easier now um, because people have adapted to using these other tools that allow, allow them to collaborate. So um, our board of directors, for example, has been meeting via Zoom since last year in March. Um, and we probably will into the future continue to do that most of the time. Um, and it really does change the, it changes all kinds of things. And, um, you know, from expense structure to the immediacy, um, the fact that people can still be heard but, and see each other's faces, but um, don't necessarily have to be in the same room makes a big difference. I think that's going to be a big, a big thing next in the next year and a half um, would be to uh, really get volunteers utilize, you know, utilizing the tools to the extent that they can, they can be uh, to make things come out nicer, smoother, faster. Yeah. And I think that's a good point too, Amy, like 
you know, one of the things that makes me think about again is this opportunity we have to learn from this entire situation. And, you know, in the past when the default was to do things a certain way, we might not have seen some of the opportunities um, that and advantages to doing things in a new and different way. And so, for example, with online education, I know one of the things um, with our webcasts that we do, because we do pre-record a lot of them, um, you know, we're able to bring the faculty in and have them, they're answering questions in real time while their session is playing. And that's not something you can physically do um, while you're actually giving a live presentation. And that has been an incredible benefit. I, I know faculty have mentioned that, that they enjoy that. And the and the, um, the participants enjoy it as well because they can clarify things. They can answer questions immediately. Um, they can provide additional information. Um, and so there are some advantages to us doing things not in person even though there are also some disadvantages too. So um, I think as long as we're learning from, from the experience and trying things in a new and different way and with the idea that we're going to learn from it, I think it's, I think it's ultimately going to be, you know, a positive experience. Great. Well, thank you guys so much for taking some time. I know you guys are always busy. So thank you so much for uh, joining me on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please leave a rating or comment on whatever platform you're listening on or email me at nray at iicle.com and let us know what you think of the podcast as it really helps us out. If you would like to learn more about Ickle's products, programs, or publications, please visit iicle.com.